how are you now? How are you on this beautiful weekend? Probably Sunday for most people by the time they're listening to this. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I'm once again under the weather. I've been sick since this morning, so uh, this might be a bit of a shorter episode. I'm not going to be able to do the article until tomorrow because I took some nighttime cold medicine, so, uh, you know, probably going to pass out immediately after recording this, but we're here to talk about the Montreal Canadiens continuing their homestand playing against the Detroit Red Wings at the Bell Center on Saturday night. Um, I got to be honest, I was worried about this one going in because Detroit, you know, on paper, they're a better team than the Habs, but the Habs also have had a, a rush of injuries recently, and they go in with like one of the weirdest lineups that I've seen in a while. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how the game went and everything. But before we do, uh, the holiday season is often rolling, and with NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting midseason form, Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played. From MMA all the way through to international soccer, we've got you covered. So head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And your Montreal Canadiens, as I mentioned, started uh, their game against the Detroit Red Wings with a weird lineup. So what they decided to do was they kicked Sean Monahan onto the wing and they lined him up on the top line with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I wrote about this after last game, talked about it on the podcast as well, that I felt like, you know, it was time to put Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki back together. And they did make that decision, but I did not think that they were going to go with uh, Sean Monahan of all people, to be the other winger on that line. It's just weird. And in the second line, they went with uh, Brendan Gallagher with Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson third line was Tanner Pearson with Jake Evans moving up from the fourth line and Uri Slavkovsky on the other wing and then they had Armia with Mitchell Stevens coming up from the Laval Rocket and uh, Jesse Elin and rounding it out uh, for their uh, bottom six um, just a weird lineup honestly um, I, I wasn't too sure what to expect as soon as I saw that I was like this might be a bit of a rough game and it was an extremely rough first period they had no shots on goal for the first seven minutes they're missing the net constantly. Anytime they had an opportunity, they're missing the net with it. Um, so for about seven minutes, they got no shots on goal. And then, of course, um, there's a delayed penalty against the Habs. The Red Wings set it up. They get a point shot deflected by Justin Barron right over to Joe Valeno at the other side of the net. He scores an easy one with Jake Allen down and out. It's one nothing for the Red Wings. Uh, the first shot on goal for the Habs was about 10 minutes into the period, and it was a fucking dump-in from center ice. So really not going well to start this game, and uh, it just gets worse. Um, they get a power play chance just past the midway point, maybe a chance to get back into the game, but very much not the case. Justin Barron bobbles the puck at the blue line. It leads to a breakaway for Rasmussen. Christian Fisher follows up uh, because Jake Allen made the initial save, but he couldn't find the puck, and it was just kind of sitting there in the crease. Christian Fisher puts it in easily and makes it 2-0. The Habs start to get a little bit better after that. Uh, they did get better and better as that period went on, but <clears throat> um, really, 
still struggling with actually hitting the net with any of the shots that they're taking. And then with 30 seconds left on the clock, uh, the Red Wings get a two-on-one. Daniel Sprong, uh, he's leading the two-on-one, carrying the puck. He just keeps it, shoots it far side on Jake Allen, makes it 3 nothing. Habs down three um, as we get to the end of the first period. However, with a measly six seconds left on the clock, very similar to the first goal for the Red Wings, Nick Suzuki gets a shot attempt. It gets blocked, but it gets blocked right to Justin Barron, who was coming down from the point, and he puts it in. That makes it 3-1. to one. The Habs have a little bit of life heading into the second period. And as they did throughout the first period, they started looking a lot better in the second period. Um, for, for my money, it was uh, definitely uh, a better period for them. Um, but, you know, Jake Allen takes a tripping penalty pretty early in the second period, and you're thinking, all right, uh, we're getting penalties called on our goaltender now. How is this going to end? Well, guess what? Yoel Armia playing on the penalty kill, gets a steal in the uh, defensive zone, heads in on basically a breakaway and snipes it, makes it 3-2. to two. The Habs are right back in this game after an abysmal first period. However, again, the power play was not over because Yoel Armia scored. Uh, the Red Wings are able to go down, set up. Moritz Sider finds Alex DeBrincat on the side of the net, and he makes it 4-2, to two, so they restore their two-goal lead. Um, later on, Robbie Fabry was off for an elbowing penalty. And then Ben Sherratt trips Cole Caulfield. The Habs get a five-on-three, and they do dick fuck all with it. They're just not even shooting the puck. It's like it's like the entire team has lost their confidence uh, when it comes to shooting. And, you know, you could see it in that game with how often they were missing the net. Um, they, they, they just seemed reluctant. They're double-clutching with every shot attempt, every possible shot attempt double clutching on it and then not even putting anything towards the net never mind on net so um bit of a problem there something that they're gonna have to work through um and of course they don't get anything on that they don't get anything on the power play after that uh when the five on three is over and uh yeah we go into the third period with them down two goals they need to um they need a bit of a miracle here they need to 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 bring back those comeback kids that we've seen a few times this season and they do they get an early penalty kill in the third period, and then right after that, they get a power play chance of their own, and finally, they get something on the power play. Nick Suzuki, he's in his spot in the right face-off circle. Great work in front by Brendan Gallagher to put a screen on Vili Husso, and Suzuki snipes it far side. It's 4-3. to three. The Habs pressing for the remainder of the third period for that equalizer. They are trying. Uh, they're throwing a lot more rubber towards the net. They're also getting a lot more rubber on net than they had been in previous period. The third period was their best period of this game. Again, they got better as the first period went on. The second period was better, but the third period was excellent. Couldn't ask for better from them there. Score effects maybe had a bit of a play there because Detroit was kind of just trying to sit on their lead, but I really admired what the Habs were putting up in that third period. And then, with just a couple of minutes left on the clock, Josh Anderson gets the puck in front of the net, but he's uh, he's facing away from the net. He can either turn and shoot there, or he can try to locate a teammate. He elects to try and locate a teammate, and it's Gustav Lindstrom coming down from the point. Anderson finds him. He fires it in, ties the game against his old team. The Habs come all the way back and tie this thing, and we're going to overtime. Overtime has been a strength for the Montreal Canadiens. Not this time. <laughs> um, I don't think they touched the puck. I don't think they touched the puck at all. It was chance after chance after chance for the Red Wings, and then Jake Wallman walks in and just claps one past Jake Allen uh, from the top of the circle, and that's game 5-4 in favor of the Red Wings. Um, look, before I get to 
individual performances or anything like that. Um, I, I feel the need to mention, like, this is a game where if you look at the underlying numbers through three periods of, of you know, regulation time, this is a game that has probably deserved to win. Um, they had the better, they had more high danger scoring chances uh, at five on five. They had more shot attempts. Um, they had, I, I think the balance of play favored them really through those three periods. I mean, again, the abysmal first period is what really cost them there. And Jake Allen had a really bad game. Um, certainly not one that's going to help him in terms of his trade value, I would say. But uh, besides the point, really, this is a game that probably with the way that they played, they did well enough to win. So I don't think that we need to be too upset about it. I, I, I see Twitter, right? And when I put out my clips every game, I can see how people are responding to them and how people are responding to the game that they're watching. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I just don't... <sighs> I don't think that we need to be as upset as some people appear to be. Silver lining of the night. Um, I think I honestly, I got to go with uh, Yoel Armia. I think that was one of the best, most complete games that I've seen out of him in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Um, it's it's unfortunate that it had to come uh, in a loss. I think, you know, when you get a player like him, when he can get going and, uh, you know, put up a, a shorthanded goal for you, and he was magnificent at 5-on-5 five five as well, by the way. Uh, really one of the best games I've ever seen him play. Um, more games like that, and there could be a possibility of him getting traded. Um, but again, I think I've probably gone over this ad nauseum at this point. It's just a tough contract to get rid of. So the Habs really could just use him uh, it, it, as long as he's playing well enough to be a viable option for them. And that game right there, um, man, it, it was excellent. The problem with him has always been a lack of consistency as well. So he'll have a good game. Uh, but then his next six will be absolutely brutal. Um, so we'll see. Um, the the homestand, they got two more pretty tough games coming up uh, with Seattle and uh, and then the Kings. So uh, we'll see. I, I don't think Yolarmi is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, with all the injuries that they've had, he's going to be up uh, with the big club for a while. So I think his performance was a well-deserved silver lining. Um, I hope that more performances like that are in order for him. And maybe he can find himself, um, you know, on that trade bait list, uh, find himself interesting some of those, you know, more closer to contendership teams um, for the abilities that he has on things like uh, killing penalties, on things like uh, you know playing good defensive hockey when he's when he's when he's up for a game, uh, he can play very good defensive hockey. So great game from him, uh, well deserved silver lining. I would also throw uh, Jaden Struble up there as a silver lining for that game. I thought he was excellent. Um, he was really he didn't get a whole lot of minutes. Uh, he was very. Uh, scarcely used. I think he was the least used defender. Um, I'd have to go and double check that. But if he wasn't the least used defender, he was close to it. Uh, but in the minutes that he played, he was excellent. And uh, this is a string of, you know, very encouraging performances that I've seen from him. I said this last time, and I'll say it again. Even though Gustav Lindstrom scored in that game, I would still, if you told me right now, you got to take one of those guys out of the lineup for Arbor Jacki because he's going to come back. I'm taking out Gustav Lindstrom. I'm keeping Jaden Struble. Um, I want to. I, I want to ride that out. I want to. I want to let that play out, and I want to see uh, what can he do uh, when they get up against tougher, uh, tougher opposition. Um, and they're they're going to be pretty soon. So um, yeah, very impressed with uh, his game. There was a point. Uh, I think I mentioned it during the recap that Robbie Fabry got an elbowing penalty. Struble was the one he elbowed, and then Struble kind of chased him down and tried to get him to fight him. And I was like, man, that's an interesting decision by Robbie Fabry. Uh, he must not value the structural integrity of his face very much if he's going to go out there, you know, fucking around with Jaden Struble. Jaden Struble is a big boy. 
um, he's uh, he, he's going to be able to handle himself in a fight. Um, probably not going to be much of an issue to take down uh, Robbie Fabry. So that that would have been funny. But you know, Struble, the the hallmark of his game so far has been getting real physical. And what's been surprising for me is uh, he's not very shy at all about jumping up in the rush, and he seems to pick his spots really well. Um, that's that's an underrated art when it comes to defensemen. I mean, there's there's always going to be defensemen that just happen to have really good physical tools uh, that can go up ice kind of whenever they want to because they're fast, right? There's a difference between doing that regularly just because you can and picking your spots really well and doing it in a way that you never put yourself out of position. And that's kind of what I've been seeing from, from Jaden Struble is that when he does join the rush, you go, oh, you can skate that fast and you're kind of a little bit surprised by it. But you also, at the end of the rush, there's there's never like an odd man rush coming back the other way. He picks the right time to do it. So um, as long as he can continue doing that, um, he, he could be a very interesting option for the Habs. And I think in this season, they're, they're better off giving some of these young guys a little bit more leash. What I'd like to see, honestly, is uh, going into the next game against Seattle, I'd, I'd like to see them up his minutes a little bit. I, I finally got it open here. He only played nine, just a shade over nine minutes at even strength. So... That's not a whole lot of action for a defenseman. For example, Caden Gooley played 19, played just over 19 minutes in that game. So that's the kind of thing that a number one defenseman does. I'm not saying give Jaden Struble 19 minutes a game. I, I am saying, you know, maybe let's, let's get him up towards like 12, 13 minutes. I think I think he can handle it, and I think, uh, I, I think that would be a, a logical next step for him uh, to see w- what does he look like in a bit more of an expanded role. Um, but overall... Uh, I do think he was worthy of a silver lining. Um, and yeah, so that's two silver linings for you there. And then now we, we got to get to the negatives. Um, so number one, Jake Allen. Um, that's what? Is that six or seven losses in a row for him? I think it's six. It might be seven. I, I don't know. It's a lot of losses. The losses are starting to pile up for him. And I think you could make an argument. Like that first period was pretty ab- abysmal, right? And I'm not trying to just lay it at the feet of Jake Allen, but there was a couple of goals um, where I just, I do not think that they should have been going in. And I would say the same for the overtime goal, the Jake Wallman goal. I mean, it's just a clapper from the top of the circle um, off the rush. I, I think if you come out and you challenge that shot a little bit more, I think it should be easy for most goaltenders to save. I feel like if Samuel Montembeau was in net, he's stopping that puck nine times out of 10. Um, and I feel like Jake Allen normally is able to stop a puck like that. It's it wasn't that good of a shot, um, so I'm I'm a little bit worried about his uh, potential trade value. Of course, we talked about this in the last full absent-minded episode, myself and Jared Book, that the the door on the Samuel Montembeau getting trade traded conversation is probably closed, if not closing, uh, after him having signed his contract. And that kind of leaves them with Jake Allen and Caden Primo. And Jake Allen seems he's got a lot more experience. So if you're going to be trading a goaltender, I think any team, you know, looking at the Edmonton Oilers teams like that, that need goaltending, they're going to want the guy with experience that can kind of, you know, keep it together for them in the playoffs. And we're not seeing that level of of play from him right now that would justify any team uh, ponying up to get him on their team. Uh, I mean... He was he, he looked half asleep out there at one point. Like the there was also the breakaway goal, right? So Rasmussen gets the breakaway and he makes a save, but he, he just has absolutely no idea where the puck is. It's almost like 
uh, he's not in the right headspace or something. I don't know. It's hard for me to sit here and like armchair doctor it. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's not the Jake Allen that we've been accustomed to over these last few games. So hopefully uh, that can turn around because that was a rough one. Um, I really think, again, if you played this game, like when you look at the underlying numbers, the Montreal Canadiens were arguably the better team in that game. If you played that game, you know, 10 times with 10 different goaltenders, I think the Habs probably win six or seven out of 10. I mean, they win more than five. They win more than five out of 10 uh, with how they played that game. Again, they, they had the puck on their stick more often. And um, it's just, you know, some some big brain farts defensively in the first period and uh, some bad goaltending. So hopefully he can turn it around. And then the other thing is the, the power play. Um, oh, when you get a five on three, it should, at, at this level of hockey, it should almost always be an automatic goal, especially if that five-on-three is for a full minute like it was against the Red Wings. I could understand if you get a five-on-three and it's like eight seconds long, you don't score on that. It's like, okay, well, that makes sense. You needed time to get set up anyways, um, and you didn't really get a chance to do that. But when you have a full minute at this level of hockey, it should be automatic. They're not even getting shots on goal. And I know. You know, later in the game, they ended up getting a power play goal anyway. So it's like, ah, shut up, Matt. You know, they, they, it's not like they, they went O for all of their attempts on the night. Uh, they did end up getting one, but my, my point stands. I'm, I'm looking at that five on three. I'm looking at them double clutching, um, on every opportunity they had to shoot. And I'm going, what the fuck? Do, like, what more needs to be done here? What, what can be done to get you guys actually putting rubber on net? Um, they make too many passes. Uh, every fucking time is too many passes. It's like, you know, I made this joke last game. Anybody ever play um, when, when you're a kid? You know, if you get out in a, to a big lead and then your coach says, all right, from now on, because we're up 9-1 or whatever, we're going to, before every, before anybody shoots, you everybody on the ice has to touch the puck at least once before anybody can shoot. That's like what the Habs do. With, but they, they do that. They don't just do it on the power play. Sometimes they do it at 5-on-5 five five too. But really on the power play, it's like they do that. It's like they just want everybody to touch the puck before any shot happens. It's weird. And, you know, the double clutching, again, uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what needs to be done. Um, I would put Caden Gooley on the power play fucking weeks ago. Um, they, for some reason, seem completely unwilling to even try that. Um, but they're but perfectly fine having Justin Bear in there and he's bobbling pucks at the blue line. I, I don't know. Uh, put Kane Gooley on there, work on it, because it's embarrassing to watch this team fumble their way through power plays. It's embarrassing to see a five-on-three for a full minute and the other team doesn't even look like they broke a sweat killing it. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. Need to fix that. But um, to close this off, we'll try to end it on a positive note, um, you know, go, go to Natural Stat Trick and just look at the numbers from that game. It might color the game a little bit differently for you because you could sit there and you could watch it and you go oh my god well they made a comeback great but then they blew it in overtime um but if you sometimes when you look at those underlying numbers you go huh you know it wasn't necessarily as bad as i thought it was and that's kind of i think the flavor that you'll get from looking at natural statric here they were quite good in that game better than i expected them to be and uh they just you know again brutal first period if you could somehow play the first period the way that you play the third period um, I, I don't think we're having this conversation. I think we're talking about a regulation win. So um, that's it. But it wasn't a regulation win. What are we running? We're running, uh, well, just right around 20 minutes. So c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. 
Uh, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine.